The Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS and brought to you by Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky, as well as stateside Urban Crab Vodka, the official sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter. They're giving away a case of stateside right now and every month. It's very easy. It takes 30 seconds to sign up. You want to join the Stateside Winners Club. Go to statesidevodka.com. you got to be 21. On today's show, man, they almost stole one. Sixers almost steal one against the Phoenix Suns. They do, however, find a solution mostly for Devin Booker. We see the return of Dario. We find out if Mike retroactively would do the Okafor for Booker trade. Um James Harden suffers a, set, a setback. George Hill is now playing for us. And who would be the most likely Sixer to fall down after getting caught with a crossover? And the other Ricky question in the mailbag, would a team with prime Iverson and prime Tracy McGrady have a better chance at winning a title than the current Sixers? Um, before we get going, I want to tell you about kinetic skateboarding. I forgot to do it in the last pod. They have socks out. Did you see these socks? They're glorious. I'm a sock guy now. Go to kineticskateboarding.com, get some socks, use promo code DAVESILVER for 9.1% off your first order. Um, Kinetic. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Welcome to the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who had a big day yesterday as it was 420 day. That is Mike Levin. That shot should have gone in. It was so close. Um, it was it was very close. And uh, it was halfway saw, down. It was halfway down. Yeah, I mean, like you look at that shot where you can see it, it is in the basket, in the little cylindrical area mm-hmm. that would normally indicate that it goes in and then you look at the where the Kawhi shot bounced for the first time mm-hmm. which is nowhere near no it was like the front Fairly of the rim to an air ball yeah it's like the front of the rim it doesn't make any sense it's uh and I know that like the loss like the you remember I remember like the bad things way with way more uh quickness than I remember the uh than the good things but mm-hmm. it feels like the Sixers have had a lot of bad things in regards to Shots going in that shouldn't, and shots not going in that should. You well, know, the Vince I mean, Carter the, the, shot the, didn't go in. The Vince Carter shot didn't go in, and we've been paying for it ever since. <laughs> I mean, you, think about, you think about that Dev Harris shot, which you think about a lot. Obviously, Kawhi. I mean, yeah. even Marco Bellinelli, the confetti shot where his foot was in the line, like it would have been. You know, the the course of Sixers history would have been different if his uh, feet were behind the line. Which they weren't even close. It was like six inches. But the confetti guy thought it was close, and that's close enough for me. Uh, I always say, feels like I was in a suite two. across the venue, and I saw that his foot was over the line. Just feels like we're due for one of those one of those lucky ones uh, in our favor. Not that you know, even that corkmud shot was ridiculous. That went in to to cut it to three um, or to two. It's a I don't know. It's a it's a it was a game that they. Had no business winning without Seth and Ben and Tobias against a really good Phoenix team that people are sleeping on um, because Chris Paul's never had playoff success, but they're a legitimately good team. Um, Well-coached, Monty Williams, and, and they move the ball well and they play hard. Um, they're tough. I think they're, th- I think they're, I think they're a real threat. Um, but they, they hung in there, and Joel had just like a... I mean, it's, this is just so regularly this happens. He had a, a very... Unremarkable, thirty-eight, sixteen, and four 
on 14 of 22 shooting. Like, it was an absolutely unremarkable game for him. Um, and he was 3 of 3 from deep until uh, until that last heave that should have counted. So he would, that would have been 4 for 4. Um, he only got to the line nine times. He turned the ball over a lot for sure, and, and he forced it sometimes. But, like, just he's just so good all the time. Just to position his body enough to where with .8 seconds left, he could get that rebound and and release, get a decent look at it, and have enough strength to, like, quickly get that to the rim is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. He's a video game player. He's a video game player in the sense that, like, obviously his skills, but also in just... in in how he thinks the game, I think. he It's like he's calm, calmly playing a video game by himself, and he's like, okay, this is the situation. I have point eight. I have this much time. You see guys make mistakes so often because they're like, they don't know the situation. They don't know, they don't know how much time they have left. But to be like, okay, I got to be able to catch it and turn and have my momentum going there. If that went in, I mean, it should have gone in. And it should just count. It's close enough. Someone should have been like, well, that's close enough, right? That's close enough. Like, if you... You know, if you're measuring a picture frame to, like, hang a nail or something, you're like, it's yeah, it's close enough. And yeah. it counts. And, it's hang, well, and the picture frame gets hung up there. That's why all my shit is a little bit crooked if you put yeah. it. Yeah. It's close enough. Yeah. That Embiid in that way, in the, the truly unremarkable 38 and 16, does sort of remind me of center Harden in that. And, and I think a lot of it is the free throws, too, and the... He, same as the the thinking the game and knowing where everybody's going to be and just sort of like almost you don't want to say effortlessly certainly not for Embiid but he does remind me of Harden in that way the another couple of good pluses obviously the job that Thibel did on on Devin Booker was you know like Ben's a great defender Ben never did that to, to fucking Devin Booker it's no. like that that was that was unreal I I will repeat if Matisse Thibault doesn't spend the entire fucking offseason shooting a trillion threes, I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a, a a fit. He just just get to becoming a a pretty good shooter, so we can, you can stay on the court and not cost the team on that end, and he will be unreal. I mean that that defense was crazy, and he's yeah. he's, he's always impressive in that he's flashy, but this one was I probably the best defensive game I've seen him play, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just the... the He's always been a good impact defender and, like, make things happen. Gets pokes from behind and, and reads passing lanes because he played at the top of the zone at, at Washington. Um, but over the course of this season, especially from last season, he's really improved his on-ball defense. Um, to not commit fouls, to keep a hand mm-hmm. up. They still sometimes call fouls on him, even though when they're not, because he just makes ridiculous plays that you're like, he couldn't possibly have made that play without fouling, but he does, and, and he should continue to get the benefit of the doubt on those calls because he's he's incredible. Um, yeah, just ridiculous. Three blocks, two steals against one of the best uh, isolation scorers in the game. Um, he's, and I, and I want to say, like, obviously he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't score tonight. 36 minutes with zero points. It's a very Matisse situation. Still ended up with a plus four um, and, and was probably the, you know, even though in a game when Joel had 38 and 16, you're like, yeah, yeah, he does that. But like, I think Matisse's impact on the game was was huge. Um, I do want to say, like, over the last couple games, and you saw it over the course of the season, but like, I think he's putting it together more lately. His dribble drive game is improving and is flashing something that there's something there more than just spot up threes and tip dunks. Like, I feel like there is he, there's developing passing. He had a really nice, gorgeous bounce pass to Joel around the defense. For a layup, uh, I think he put a little English on it to get it to him. It was really nice. He just and he's long and he's still got to work on his finishing. He's still got to work on like his ball handling, all that stuff. But he's he's improving and I see something there. And I wonder in five years, like, is he very capable? And like, you know, I'm, I, 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 I want to project him to be OG Ananobi. He's obviously um, not starting at the same place, but that's the that's the goal I have for him. And, I, and I'm starting to see more of that in a, in a way that I really like. OG Ananobi, I, you've said that a couple of times. It seems like a weird comp to me. Um, Thibault seems so much more slight than Ananobi does, like physically. Yeah, he was more thin, but I'm just saying as an offensive player, just like oh, right. can, atta- okay. can shoot threes, can attack a closeout, yeah. um, and just and came in, came out of college with such a strong defensive reputation and has built out his offensive game to be like, you know, 
on the on the scale of like what an offensive game was to where it is now, like there's like Jalen Brown who started way higher and is and has obviously succeeded, and there's OG Ananobi who started a little bit lower and has, has vaulted a little right, bit. And right, I want right. Matisse to be like that level of like production for his lower uh, skill group, just offensively. Just give me something because I think he's I think. The threes will fall. He's got to obviously practice that a lot. But, like, I, I see something in just him seeing. The way he sees the court on defense, he also sees it a little bit on offense, and his skills just need to catch up to his brain on that side. And I think I think it'll get there. You mentioned the dribble drives. I agree. Sometimes there's a dribble drive, but so many times it ends up with, like, the craziest fucking layup that goes oh, yeah. off the top yeah. of the backboard. <laughs> well, yeah, he hit the bottom of the backboard against Golden State. But they called it. They said they thought it was a block on. I think it was Draymond, and it was just like, no, he just he just lost. <laughs> but I th- believe in it. It's we're we're growing. We're building. You know, Korkmaz's defense didn't start from an elite right. place, but it got there, and so that's what elite. I'm seeing with Matisse's offense. I want to I wanted to keep improving. So there's two other players I, th- I think we need to talk about: George Hill and Shake Melton. Let's end on a high note because I thought George Hill played real well. Shake Milton, boy, does he look he, – he's like a fucking mess right now, and he's been yeah. a mess for a while. And, like, I – dude, he, he's like – he's playing himself out of the rotation. Like, you know, if, if you were to ask me now, is he in the playoff rotation, my guess is actually probably no. Um, he's been pretty, especially with George Hill being here, he's been terrible. I don't know what's going on, but he looks horrible. Yeah. It's a weird thing. I think his jumper has looked better over the last Mm -hmm. three weeks or something, but the rest of his game has looked worse and it just has been a tough combination of, of the both things he's good at and needs to be good at have not just coalesced at the same time. Um, the last two games were, were horrible. He's played really, really bad. He's being weak with the ball. He's weak off the ball. He's turning it over. He's forcing it. He's not getting calls. He's complaining to the refs. He's slow. He's not getting to his spots right. He's like hanging in the air for too long and allowing a shot to get blocked. It's it's like it's a ba- it's a really bad stretch. Um, and maybe that's him being in a weird headspace because they're bringing in a guy to take some of his minutes. Uh, maybe it's just a bad stretch. But he's still a very he's still like the silkiest offensive player on this team. And as far as getting where he wants to on the court and and using that to create like that kind of need a bucket half court playoff offense that you will need, especially if they're jo- doubling Joel so much or if he's off the court or whatever it is. So I, I do think that that's going to come in handy and I think that will be useful, but he needs to bounce back from this really, really ugly stretch for sure. And then the other thing I mentioned, George Hill. So he was ru- like rusty against Golden State. I thought he looked mm-hmm awesome against phoenix i mean defensively he was he was on an island against cp3 once and cp3 cp3 tried for like eight or ten seconds all different things to get by him couldn't do it eventually just gave up on defense he was great and on offense he looked you know the step back was was great but he got to the rim a couple times looked really really good he looks you know for a guy his age he looks physically he looks pretty you know, spry. I, yeah. He's he's gonna Especially play a lot. Yeah, he looks great for sure. I mean, he's just like he's got a very slow release, but when he has time to release it, it goes in. He's a really really good catch and shoot three point shooter, which is just gonna be very useful. Just spaces the floor and and hits and and can attack a closeout in a straight line drive. He's just very you know exactly what you're getting. He cuts smartly. He rotates smartly. Just like all the things you want from a veteran role player. Um, and still has enough juice in those legs to to hang. It doesn't look like he's getting, you know, burned off the dribble by faster guys. He just, it's just really nice. He's he's gonna be really helpful for this team. Um, it was a, when you know when Dow made the trade, uh, twenty five months ago after a extensive thumb reparation surgery that it seems like it's been done. And then another uh, one. Then it, another one. It's just been like a really easy like this. This is exactly what this team can get for this price. And he will be helpful, um, and I'm 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 really glad he's there. I also want to shout out. I think Maxi has been excellent. Oh, yeah, he's you're been right. absolutely you're right. yeah. huge the last few games um, in losses, which sucks, but not because of him. I think he's he's provided a burst. He played 17 minutes against Golden State, and then he played 32 tonight. Um, getting to the rim, getting the line a little bit. Shot looks good. Shot looks confident. He's still, even though he's he's went he's gone over four the past uh, from three, but you can tell he looks way better way more um he's getting more lift on it and just like it looks easier um i think he's i think he's added on added weight over the course of the season 
Um, and he's and he's showing a lot of burst going to the rim. He gets that little like keep the ball away from the defense uh, on his drives. He's still playing under control, putting pressure on the rim, uh, really commanding the defense attention. And I think like kind of you know I wonder what Doc is going to be like in the sense of here's my playoff rotation going in, or if it's just going to be reassess at the beginning of every series and go, here's the kind of matchup we have, here's who's injured, we'll go from there. I, I don't know that it's going to be like a, here are the eight guys that we're playing in the playoffs and everybody else just chill. I think it's going to be working guys in because there are options and there's you want to have different elements that you can throw at guys because Maxie's not always going to be useful, but he really is right now. Um, especially without Ben on the court. They just don't have guys that are fast that can make the defense pay attention to you with the ball in your hands. Um, and, Ty- and Tyrese has done that the past couple of games, and I thought he's been, I thought he's been great. It's been really, really cool to see, and you start to think about what, what that can be in a, a year or two as he, as he keeps developing his game. Yeah, especially for a guy that was pretty much out of the rotation for a while, you know, yeah. and, and looked like, looked like we, we still had high hopes, but looked like it just wasn't going to happen this year. And mm-hmm. it, he's, he's played with a control that he didn't seem to happen before and an awareness of what's around him that has, yeah. been, that has been different. Yeah. So yeah, there's just a there's just a little bit of like a an off kilterness to his game. You see that with the floater when he releases it like off his wrong leg, and that's weird. And, he, and I don't think he's even really taken a floater the past couple of games. But he adds that into like different, just his his like he gets it done in like a weird way from an angle you're not expecting off the wrong leg with the odd hand, like in a, in a in sort of a in a window you don't think he can make it into. He's just really there's just like a a unique sort of offbeat. Uh, style to his game that I really like watching. I think makes him kind of hard to defend, and as he keeps getting better um, at doing the things that he can, I think it'll be even harder for for defenses to stay in front of him and, and to keep him away from the rim. It's it's cool. It's cool to see. Like you know, I don't know if he's gonna play much in the playoffs, but he's been hugely helpful the past couple games, and if anything, gives him a vote of confidence going into next season when he's had he has had a tough month or two. Mm-hmm. Uh- yeah, well, that's. A, I mean, like, look, the, the, this to your point, this game, they, they were almost punting it, and it, it seems like they're sort of in the same place that a lot of teams are right now, in that everybody's just trying to get as much rest as they can before the playoffs. And they were they were close, but you're you're probably not going to beat the Suns down three starters. Uh, I will say, I didn't love seeing Embiid on the floor stretching his knee out. And sure. went wincing, you know, in the fourth quarter. Sure. No, you don't like that. No. You don't like seeing that. I sent my friend Gavin. He is a friend and a coworker that lives in Dallas, a big barker uh, this week. He doesn't know it. He should get it on Thursday. It's a surprise. Surprise gift. It's a nice gift. He rescued a dog named Rico who can't walk. His back two paws were like infected. So he adopted the dog like that. And he is nursing the dog back to health with one of those like doggy wheelchairs or whatever. Re-ra- Love that. Yeah, it's, it's such a sweet story. I look at the things on Facebook, they almost make me cry. Uh, and Rico's doing good. He stood for the first time the other day, 40 seconds. Uh, I saw the standing video, I texted Gavin, I was like, what's your dress, man? I sent him to bed. Um, big Barker dog beds are the only dog bed that you can buy, really. Um, it's the only real bed made for dogs, made to support their joints. BigBarker.com slash Ricky. BigBarker.com slash Ricky. You get the Big Barker dog bed. You get the process pup patch. And the most important thing is your dog gets a healthy sleep at night. Like dogs spend how many hours a day sleeping? It seems like 16, 18, right? At least. So it's important that they are supported. You got to have their joints supported. You got to have their bones supported. You got to, and Big Barker is the only one engineered by experts and proven by PenVet to do so. BigBarker.com slash Ricky. You might look at it and say, Spike, that's like $200. Well, you're getting a 10-year warranty. The foam doesn't flatten or they replace it for free. Also, uh, think of all the the vet bills later on and just the happiness and healthiness of your dog. It's totally worth it. BigBarker.com slash Ricky. 10-year warranty, one-year at-home trial. Uh, If you don't like it, Send it back. They'll send you a free refund. Even pay for the shipping. Handmade in the USA. Big Barker dog beds. <sighs> An exasperated wolf. I feel you. This is, you know, they're down guys. Without Ben, without Tobias, 
and and even Seth, just like very competent defensive players and and guys who are now familiar playing with each other. I I get frustrated watching this team when they just leave guys open, and it feels like against the Clippers and, and the Suns, too often they leave guys pretty much wide open for three. Um, Javon Carter hits the same corner three on like three straight possessions. Yeah, um, and and passed him up like a bunch of times too when it felt like he had the shot as well. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and he's not a great shooter, and and sometimes you're okay with him taking that shot, but it's a corner three, and and he's when he started being willing to take it, it just like happens too often. The Clippers are the best three point shooting team in the league, and they just seem like they let guys be wide open too often. And I think that's a there's some amount of like over helping I think this team does on defense. Um, because they think they can get back, and so many times they do, like Matisse and, and Ben obviously are excellent at recovering. But some guys just aren't. Like Mike Scott's not fast enough to try to help out a little bit on a drive and get back to his man. Like I'd rather, I think it was, I think it was Javon Carter actually. Like Mike Scott is like helping on a Javon Carter drive that Tyrese has him pretty much in front of him. So it's either gonna be like a contested sort of leaner floater as he's flying out of bounds. Or it's going to be a wide open three to I don't remember whoever whoever it was that Mike Scott was leaving wide open. I think it might have been Cam Johnson. And it's just like I don't, we don't need to help on everything. It just feels like too often. I know that you want to help, you want to make it difficult on them, but I think that there's got to be a little bit more either like what Danny and Matisse and Ben do, which is like attack the ball handler and try to get the ball out of their hands quickly in a way that they don't want it to, or stay home, stay attached to your to your shooter, because in this middle ground, too often they're just letting. It's the worst of both worlds, and I and I, that 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 frustrated me tonight. But they're also down guys, and the refs were weird, and they called technicals and stuff, and the guys are getting frustrated. So it just happens. I'm not gonna take too much out of it. And that Joel shot should have gone in at the end, which would have been cool, and I wouldn't be mad about anything. Um, should have counted. Should, it should have counted. Also, another great Danny Danny game. Just leading the NBA in corner threes. Seems to always make defenses pay for doubling Joel. You were talking shit weird, about like, him, like leading up to the season, the first month of the season, shit, shit, I, shit. Lakers, I'm not Lakers. Do it. I'm not. I refuse. I refuse to do it. Like I refuse. It's not going to be. I've always liked Danny. I liked Danny last year, and I like him this year. And he does crazy shit sometimes, and I respect him for it. Um, but we're weirdly like hit those like kind of like fadeaway twos a couple times today, like a couple on the baseline. He's just like getting there. He's really. I think Doc just gives guys the freedom to do a little bit more stuff. And whether it was Brett or just other coaches, it seems like there's a lot more like, this is what you do, only do this. And it seems like, you know, even Mike Scott has been struggling from three and struggling to do a lot, but hit a bunch of sort of mid-range shots that I'm, I'm not thrilled about. I don't love the, that if that's your offense and work, when you end up with that. But when it goes in, you're like, okay, I guess. And and uh, and Danny and Mike had enough to make it to make it worthwhile tonight. But it, it is a uh, something to look out for when you're like that shouldn't be the offense. But and when when the game gets gunked up and and they can hit a couple, it's like you you feel like you you stole one. A quick injury update in the Eastern Conference that happened yesterday. I think James Harden suffers a setback. They say they are at square one. They don't know when he'll be back. I can't tell if the Nets are rope-a-doping everyone or if he really did. I would imagine he really did as hamstrings are crazy like that. Look, I'm not hoping for any injuries, but that would be pretty massive if James Harden isn't playing. I mean, that's been the question for that team the entire year, is everyone able to stay healthy? Uh, and the fact that they're they're really not going to play each other with each other. I think they played seven games with those three guys, and that seems like it's going to be it. So... Um, Again, not hoping for injuries, but that one does work yeah. in the Sixers' favor. We've had enough injuries not work in our favor. So, yeah, I mean, it's just another weird thing with Brooklyn is that they're they've played so few games together. Those three guys, seven, and I think I, yeah. I saw I saw someone made the point on Twitter that they're they're actually better when they only have one or two because the role players around them, when there's one or two of them out there, are better at being role players than. Durant or Harden or Kyrie is when they're all on the court at the same time. They're not cutting as hard. They're not moving the moving as well without the ball. They just don't know how to not be the guys that are on ball enough. Durant Durant obviously does, but Kyrie and Harden are so used to having the ball in their hands that a lot of times when they don't, they're kind of just standing around. And I think it's an interesting point because, like, how much firepower is like too much firepower when you just want like a Joe Harris or Jeff Green to just be like stand there, 
make the cut when you're supposed to kind of thing. It's interesting. Sure. Uh, the, the Warriors did win three championships with, or two championships. Sure, with but Steph. Di- different kind yeah. of different different stylistic, and, and Durant yeah. fits anywhere for sure. But I think those yeah. other two guys, it's it's an interesting point to maybe. Um, speaking of injuries, Corkmaz. Um, yeah. He came back though. Bummer ankle came back in. Um, I love that dude. The pump fake, the drawing, the, the fouls. He looks very confident. He looks like he's really taking a leap. Uh, it's nice to see him. And I am excited to see what he gets this offseason. It's not going to be from us, but I, I went high end for $12 million, There's no chance, bro. There's, I think somebody gives it to him, like 10 to $12 million. That's what Christian Wood got. Christian Wood got $12 million. There's no way Korkmaz is getting $12 Christian million. Woods got, but Christian Wood got underpaid. Like, when that happened, that was like, that's that's being underpaid by a lot. Um, and he I will think, get $6 million maybe. I think he's going to get more than that. I mean, what, <laughs> Luke, Kennard, Luke Kennard got, like, 10 or $12 million, didn't he? Yeah, but uh, like Luke Lou Williams, those kinds of things. Like that's what you're looking for. Corkmaz is now he's he's big. He's he's playing defense. He's hitting shots. He's opening up as a ball handler. People like playing with him. The best moment of his life when he hit was when he hit a regular season three against Portland. They love that shit. I would pay him. T- I I would pay him twelve million dollars myself. Why? Not the Sixers. Not okay. for my basketball team. But well, just like out of if I had it, I would be like, you deserve it. You're a good guy. Speaking of which, are you are you going to approach Shake to get that ten million back from? Yeah, like, Shake deserves to. Shake no longer has the ten million. He has to give yeah. it up. Corkmaz deserves some of that. I would say Maxi can get some of that. Um, I, I guess we should just give more to Embiid. He deserves more. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll that, divvy it up. We'll we'll spend the offseason thinking about how much money everybody deserves, and we'll. <laughs> the uh, the hard to stomach YouTube comment of the week brought to you by Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. Distilled seven times, gluten-free, kosher. Did I mention it's gluten-free? It's the best vodka you can buy. We have an amazing playoff thing coming up with Stateside. Please stay tuned. Sign up for the newsletter, the Corner 3 newsletter, at writesterikisanchez.com slash newsletter to find out first. And go to statesidevodka.com to sign up for the Winner's Club so you can win a free case of Stateside Vodka. Three comments this week, or this pod, in the YouTube comment of the week just leave us drop us a comment right there the first one comes from marlo mike looks like the kind of guy who has a distrust of laces therefore uses an expensive ivory shoehorn to get on his shoes without interfering with the device he does not understand any comment i don't think i even understand the comment but i, I use laces generally we're talking about shoelaces i think so yeah that's why you would use the ivory shoehorn hmm. no i go regular Usually, but I don't. I I look however I look. So that's your impression is is correct. Uh, this comes from John Mike. On a scale from one to ten, ten being the worst, how bad was Judas's betrayal? It was tough. It was tough to take. They make they make me grow this hair out. I had to keep it from. <laughs> and then from Brandon McEwen, in all of our recent praise of Corkmas. it makes me realize that he hasn't stepped out of bounds while getting into shooting position recently. That's true. It's shocking. But now maybe with the ankle injury, he'll 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 ankle his ankle will start to you know, veer to the side. Maybe we get, maybe we get a step out at a bad time, maybe we just I wouldn't it. mind one just to be like cuz then it feels mm-hmm. like it's going to happen at the worst possible time. Give me one more in a regular season game. We did get a lot of emails, a lot of tweets about the uh, the best ability conversation. Um, this email came from D uh, writes Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. I think I can weigh in on Mike's side of the best ability debate. As a professor, part of my job is writing recommendations for jobs, grad school, etc. We never use negative language, so we convey levels of support by varying the effusiveness of our words. For example, I recommend con- conveys apathy relative to I strongly recommend or the highest praise. I happily give my highest recommendation. Only twice in 13 years have I given my most negative evaluation, which opens by praising a student's attendance. (laughs) If I open my letter with student attended class regularly, I am effectively telling the reader that the student's best ability is availability. Readers of recommendation letters all understand the code, quote, student sucks. The best ability. There's just a lot of really dumb people that were in my mentions (laughs) saying like, well, none of your abilities matter if you're not around. It's like, well, like obviously, that's like saying the best ability the, the best ability is having feet or something. The best ability is having feet. The best ability is like a, a working torso. Like every time yeah. you talk about the, what breathing. you like about NBA players, you should lead with the fact that they breathe. Yeah. You should lead with the fact that they are able to walk and convey things with their mouths. Ears are important. Like what are we doing? Stop like fucking people are so dumb. <laughs> it's clearly not the best ability. 
It's just a bad saying that people say because it rhymes and sounds good. But if you stop to think about it for a second, you wouldn't say it. Obviously, the fact that injury, like, I'm not saying injury-prone things don't matter. I wish Joel was there around all the time. I'm not saying it's not a factor at all. It is simply the expression that it is the best ability, which it is clearly fucking not. And it's a ridiculous thing, a fireable offense. If you legitimately think that someone's best ability, the best one, is available at the top of the list of all of their skills, is the fact that they're there. <laughs> You're a fucking idiot. In honor of you, our playoff shirt this year, which will be coming out soon, not only praises your your distaste of the best ability being availability, it does have the playoff phrase that you coined in email to me and Zoe on it as well, which will be out soon. But this is this is the most passionate you've been about anything uh, since it's just since I, the Colangelo I, saga. People, people that just say shit that just comes out of their mouth and they're like, "That's but I've heard it before, so I'm gonna say it." It really, well, really gets me. Well. Then I, I feel like, uh, since we're on a roll with this one, uh, this comes from Mark. He does, I'm going to start with the end. At the end, he says, thanks, guys. I absolutely love the pod. And I tell everybody in Australia to listen to it, basketball fan or not. It got me through the first three or four sleepless months of my son's life in the entire pandemic. Love it. Now to the top. Good day, guys. I have kind of a non-basketball observation than a basketball question. Firstly, my non-basketball observation. Mike, I understand your point. R.E., no. <laughs> the best ability is ability, no. not, not availability. And it's a good hill to die on. I get it. But you've got to admit, you're deliberately misinterpreting the phrase to make your bit work. When someone says the best ability is availability, they're not saying that availability is your best ability. They're saying that all of your abilities are useless if you aren't available to play. So the well, then don't say that. Then don't say the phrase. <laughs> you're right. If you're saying the best ability is this, then that's what you're saying. <laughs> so they're the ones that are, that are misleading. Really? Yeah. If they say like, "Hey, it, it matters that you stay healthy," then I'd be like, "Yeah, of course, yeah, of course, of course, it matters that you stay healthy. Of course, if you want to keep, you know, you know, work the nutrition and fucking keep all your fucking hygiene in order and don't have any crazy allergic reactions, all this stuff. Yeah, that all matters. But if you're saying that the best one, uh, I've made my point. And the final email on the matter from Michael, one Twitter tift. And he makes Jokic MVP over our precious giant boy. Grow a spine. Go cheer for the Lakers again. That's solid. <laughs> this comes from Marlo. Hi, Spike and Mike. Love the pod. There's a really delicious kebab place near me. It's called Adam's Kebabies. No question. I just thought it was funny because like Adam Kasabi, Adam Kebabies, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> I lie now. This comes from Dan. Um, actually, uh, hold on, just to go back, Mark had a basketball question. In an ideal world where George Hill actually plays basketball for the Sixers, there he is, and he has, and gets up to speed to be a consistent, meaningful contributor in the playoffs, do you see him closing games, and if so, at the expense of which starter? If he is closing games, do you see him taking a bit of a Jimmy Butler role in terms of handling the ball in crunch time with Simmons playing more off-ball, watching Ben try to pass to Joe in the post while Ben's man was already doubling Joe in the Brooklyn game got me thinking, interested to get your thoughts. I've said it a bunch of times. I think George Hill's going to close, and I would imagine it will be at the expense of Seth. That would be my best guess. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, Danny's been great lately, but the the first couple months of the season, there were there were games when Danny wasn't out there um, closing. And so I think... I think it, it's just going to be matchup dependent. I think right now, Doc has a kind of an embarrassment of solid options, if not that like one perimeter creator that you crave so much that that would be nice if they had. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a bunch of like cobbling together various skills, and it's just going to be dependent on who's hot and who the matchup is. But I, I think George, I think obviously the starting five plus Shake Matisse, Corkmaz, Hill, and I would say Maxi are all 
going to be in there. I think I think Matisse is a, a pretty much definite to be defensive replacements at, at times, and I think Hill is is pretty much definite to get some of those options. But I think Shake Corkmans and Maxi also have a shot in there as well. Shake Corkmans and Maxi in the in a closing lineup. I mean, Shake or Maxi? Really? Yeah, I think absolutely. 100%. Hmm. That would be surprising to me. All right, Mike, you're going to have to help me with pronunciation for this right here. You ready? M-A-S-V-I-D-A-L. Masvidal? Does that sound right to you? Sure. Sure? Sounds right. Okay, so Masvidal and U-S-M-A-N. Usman. Usman? Masvidal and Usman? There we go. So the last time they fought, apparently, at UFC, it was a uh, a pretty serious fight. So Masvidal Usman 2 is this weekend, and DraftKings is the official sports betting partner of the UFC. Now, obviously, this is what's good, right? Obviously, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about with UFC. I don't know who Masvidal or Usman is. But at DraftKings, it doesn't really matter because if you pick either fighter to win, you get 26 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook. So they're basically hedging for you. They're like, hey, you're a fucking idiot. You don't know who any of these guys are, so we're going to give you 26 to 1 odds. So you bet 5 bucks on either fighter. They win you get 130 bucks. So um, whether you know what you're talking about with MMA, which makes it even better, or if you don't, like me, you can play along. Obviously, if you don't want to bet UFC, that's fine. Basketball, hockey, baseball. Um, boy, Phil's pulled one out of their asses today. Holy smokes. Um, mm-hmm. DraftKings is the best app. It's the only app you should use for betting. It is the top-rated sports betting app. Um, safe, secure, Money goes in, money goes out with the quickness and reliable. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code RTRS when you sign up to turn 5 bucks into 130 bucks. If the title contender of your choice wins, place your bet and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code RTRS to turn 5 bucks into 130 bucks. If the fighter of your choosing takes home the crown for a limited time, only a DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older. Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This comes from Dan. Hey, Spike and Mike. Been a listener and a lottery partner attender from the beginning. Having taken a future a future bet months ago on Ben to win the Defensive Player of the Year, it got me thinking about his odds and if he is even the most deserving on his own team. Based on Defensive Player of the Year odds and storylines in the national media, Ben is obviously considered the best defender on the Sixers and top two in the league this season. However, anybody who regularly watches and follows the team thinks that he could be the third most impactful player on the team behind both Matisse and Joel. My question... Where would a player winning Defensive Player of the Year while not even being the best defender on his own team rank in the weird events of the process? Has anyone in NBA history ever won an award while not being at the best attribute on his own team? There would have to be a Defensive Player of the Year that won without being the the best defender on his own team, right? Yeah, I mean, it's inter- the I think the Ben and Matisse thing is interesting because you have to be so good as a perimeter defender to win... Yes. Defensive player of the year. Um, we've talked about it before that like bigs, centers should almost be in their own category. Yeah, um, I mean... They just Ka- impact the game so differently. Kawhi, since, since oh, I'm looking at the winners since uh, 2000, and the only, the only two who have won, two perimeter defenders who have won, are Kawhi and Ronald and Meta World Peace. Those are the only mm-hmm. two guys that are perimeter. And I think, like, Tony Allen came close. I think Marcus Smart came close. Um, but didn't win, you know? But didn't win. And so yeah. I think that, you know, those guys were the best were the best defenders on those teams, for sure. Um, so it's interesting. I think, uh, you know, Ben, ben is incredibly versatile and, and takes on the toughest defender all night and plays a ton of minutes and also has a big impact on the offensive end. Um, whereas Matisse is still like 20-ish minutes a game and does a lot of standing around offensively. So it's just a different thing. But I think it's interesting that, you know, I don't take this to be like a knock against Ben so much as it is that the Sixers just have a bunch of really, really great good defenders. defensive players. Yeah. Um, and a lot of options to throw at guys, including Danny. Um and obviously Tobias and Korkmaz, who are both plus defenders. Um, and George Hill, who's a plus defender. And so, you know, going into next season, it, it just looks like, well, they certainly have enough 
they're certainly capable enough on the defensive end, and you see them the second-ranked defense in the league, and offensively they're just like a little bit struggling. And so it becomes how can they, you know, shed some of that? You know, they've, you've a surplus of defensive players. Can you can you lose one of them to significantly upgrade your offense? And so we'll see. Uh, from Matt. First question, probably more for Mike. What are your thoughts on Luca Garza being unanimous college basketball player of the year? I know it's not necessarily controversial and the award doesn't need to equate to NBA potential, but he's not even listed in some mock drafts. Do you think he could have a solid NBA career or is he destined for a career overseas? I think he could be in the NBA, for sure. I mean, I think he's, he's a good shooter. Uh, so Luca Garza is a center on Iowa. Uh, he's a four-year player. Hmm. Um, he is a really good shooter. He's got post moves. As far I, I, there's no reason why he couldn't be like a better shooting Okafor. Um, he's he's probably worse defensively, and he's probably slower. Um, but as far as like uh, a stretch five that can also get you a bucket inside, I think there's there's room for that on as like a backup center for for a long time. I think if he get if he becomes like Enos Cantor with a lot, a, a ton of outside shooting. I think there's, a, there's, there's, there's a, there's a place for that in the NBA. I think for sure. I think as, as unanimous college basketball player of the year, it's like whatever. I think they, they, they prioritize giving that award to, to guys who stay a while, and and he stayed all four years. So, um, and he's also like very clearly the best player on on his team, and like, a, and they finished I think in the top like fifteen. Uh, Could have gone to Cade on Oklahoma State, but I think I think that's generally how it goes. I'm actually looking at the um, the the players of the year since for the last 20 years, and the only read one. Me, read me the last five. So Obi Toppin, Zion Williamson, Jalen. Yeah, Br- I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, well, Obi Obi stayed multiple years. Zion is you know a freshman. Rare. Yeah, uh, Jalen Brunson. Mm-hmm. Is Frank Mason in the NBA? Yeah. Okay. He was on. Uh, he was on the Sixers. Then he was on Sacramento. He's, he's kicked around a couple of places. We had him. Yeah, he was on the. He was. Oh, okay. They signed him to like a uh, one of those like Exhibit Ten deals. Or okay. Whatever. Buddy Heald, uh, Frank Kaminsky, Doug McDermott, Trey Burke, Anthony Davis, Jimmer Fredette, uh, and then our our guy Evan Turner. That's since 2010. A lot of guys that stayed three or four years. Yeah, Blake with Griffin. With a couple like Anthony Davis and uh, Zion, you know. Do you know? Do you know who is the college? Oh, this is a two, two, two Sixers related. I will ask you to see if you can get them. Twenty oh six. Who is college basketball player of the year? Both uh, both of these guys went to the same school. Oh, Noah and Horford. No. 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 Conley, Con- Conley and Odin. Not at the same time. Um, the 2006 and 99, no, no. Sixers oh, 99? Yeah, 2006 and 99. Same school. Yeah, Sixers related. 06 won J.J. Reddick. would have been the... Okay, so that's... Yeah, I was thinking who they drafted him because that would not have been the year that they drafted. Yeah. It's that they drafted the next year. And 99 won Elton Brand, won yeah. College Basketball Player there of the Year. Go both at Duke. so. And then, second question, as someone who has been a Philadelphia sports fan since 1981, but has never lived in Philadelphia and only visited once, how would you rank the teams in terms of their popularity within the city, both, both in terms of number of fans and how much the team is talked about? Also, which loss hit harder for each of you personally, the 93 Phillies or the 04 Eagles? I was I, the you were too young Phillies, for ninety three. Yeah, right? the Joe yeah. the Joe Carter home run is my first sports memory. That's the first thing I remember as a as a That's sports apt. fan. I remember pounding the table. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, oh four Eagles. Oh three Eagles. Both of them were very tough. Oh two Eagles also very tough. Um, I w- I would I've always put the Sixers last as far as like caring around the city because you know, high school basketball and college basketball is such a such a big part of the city. And so the Sixers are just like part of it rather than, you know, mm. the Flyers are the only hockey game in town and the Phillies are the only Phillies game, you know, all that stuff. The Sixers seem to have to, have to compete with other basketball, whereas the other teams kind of have it on their own. But, like, I went to, when I was at John and Colleen's this past weekend, we went to uh, this resort 
um, and walked around and I saw people, I saw a family wearing Eagles and Philly stuff and I like hit them with a go birds, but you're never seeing, I, I I can't remember a time you're seeing anybody in Sixers stuff around, unless it's like an Iverson jersey in like a, you know, in a movie or something as a choice, but like no one's ever wearing just like a Sixers hat, uh, outside the city, at least, at least in my mind, it's very rare. It's it's better now than it was. Like clearly, the yeah. Eagles are first, um, and I think even though Phillies are also just very wearable. Like, yeah, a baseball hat is like the clearest merchandise type thing that you can get. Yeah, the the Phillies, even though you don't always feel the the I mean, the season's so long, and they they haven't been over five hundred in ten years. But the Phillies are the <laughs> second most popular. Um, tough, the, tough sentence. But. Uh, since you have been gone, the Flyers have definitely fallen below the Sixers in terms of regular popularity. Um, yeah. But there wasn't, it, I mean, I would say that the Flyers were, at least in my mind, the Flyers had a stronger core constituency of a did. fan base prior to the, you know, at Sixers Twitter and Sixers Internet becoming like such a big thing. And now, and now that I think has, has helped it in my mind. Yeah. The the Flyers are are less talked about than I ever remember, and I you know I will be interested to see what happens. A lot of it, I think, when when the NHL and ESPN split, the NHL sort of fell completely off the map, and they just signed a deal. I wonder if that will change anything. But I do remember being in high school, and the Flyers were a real thing all the time. Now they were much better then, but um, but yeah, it the the Sixers are third, but they can ramp momentarily when the excitement gets high to two, but nothing gets above the Eagles is my, my perception in, in doing. Um, and a final email, a couple weeks, this comes from Ahmed. A couple weeks ago, I saw a story from 1999 in which the Sixers almost traded Larry Hughes for Tracy McGrady and a pick, but it was ruined by Stephen A. Smith reporting it and the Raptors backed out. My question well, for you guys. Just just like just like your dad breaking news about Scott O'Neill going to Utah. And ruining that. Which is and ruining that. far and, more and tragic. You reporting the you reporting the Anthony Tolliver trade years after the fact. But. <laughs> uh, uh, my question for you guys, do you think a team with prime AI and prime T Mac has a better shot at winning a championship than the current Sixers team? I mean, there's just so much unknowable. T Mac ruled. I love T Mac. He was. Uh, it's hard to know if Iverson... Now, he did that one year play really well with Mello, but it's hard to know if Iverson a- is able to win a championship with another sort of, like, scoring ball-dominant guy, you know? That's the question. Yeah. I mean, I think... I, I think if you had... The- today's manifestation of knowing that like shooting matters which like in the early 2000s those Sixers teams just decided like nah we don't care um then I think it would absolutely if you put Iverson Iverson McGrady is is you know pretty similar to like Kyrie Durant and so you put shooting around that you put a a center that can block shots and that's like you're you're in business but at that time, it would have been like, you know, guys shooting 31% from three on like one and a half attempts per game. And his non-basketball question, and this has to go for you because I can't eat by nature pet food because I'm vegan. I ate it once. I did it. You did. I did it once, but that's it. Would you rather have to eat by nature pet food as one of your daily meals four days a week? So that's four times a week you have to eat by nature or only be able to sleep on a big bark or dog bed every night. Um, you can't sleep on any other bed. You have to bring the big barker anytime you go anywhere, such as vacation trips, et cetera. Thanks for all the great times, guys. Big barker. Yeah. I would I don't want to eat. Yeah. I mean, you I'm get the XL. Yeah, you, you get the XL big barker. You're, um, you're, you know, you're fine. Oh, yeah. I'll yeah. be great. And, you know, before we go, I, I haven't read an Apple podcast review in a while, and I'm not going to read this whole thing, but I want to send a message, and we're at 2,885 star ratings. We'd like to get to 3,000. It came from Mike Gersey, and he basically, we were asked what our three most rewatchable movies were, and one of the ones that I mentioned was A Ghost Story, which I understand for a lot of people is not rewatchable, but I happen to love it. 
The entire review is basically him and his girlfriend shitting on a ghost story, saying that when people ask for a bad movie to watch, they recommend that movie and that they laughed in the theater because it was so bad. My comment to you, Mike, is that it's not my fault that you're too dumb to get in a movie. I'm sorry that, uh, that you are not sensitive or advanced enough to understand what was going on there. Um, you're like the kind of person that Mike talked about that only liked Fight Club for the fighting. So I just want to, I appreciate you listening. You and your girlfriend seem like really nice people. You should watch it, not in the theater, and not be those people laughing in the theater at something that isn't funny. That's it. That's my comment on that. There you go. <laughs> That's my comment. Uh, do you have any Young Rock to plug before we go? Yeah, another great episode last night, you guys. We got some wrestling. We got some football. We got some... Dwayne Johnson, being Dwayne Johnson. It's a weird show. It is a genuinely weird show, especially for broadcast television. It's funny and it's weird and it's, uh, if you like that stuff, it's, it's cool. So watch it so we can get a season two because we are uh, expecting one and would like to get a little surge of support. NBC, Tuesdays at 8, or Hulu or On Demand or any of that stuff. It's all there. There's nine episodes out. So we only got, I think there's only two more episodes left this season. We will be back with you. Two against Milwaukee coming up Thursday night and then Saturday night. We will back, be back with you after the one or Saturday. Is it a matinee? Uh, we'll be back with you on Sunday to talk about the Bucks games. Um, Bucks are what two and a half games back. These are yeah, a little bit worried about. A little kind bit worried, of, especially yeah. without you know on a back to back. Milwaukee hasn't played since Monday. Yeah, I would like to get one of those Milwaukee games at least, but I also don't want anybody to you know re-aggravate any injuries because they're. You know, two losses in a row. It hasn't happened much this season for this team. No, so, yeah, uh, would like would like a bounce back, but it's it's a tough spot. But after this after this stretch, it becomes a very easy schedule the rest of the year. So, let's push here and then and then rest some guys so we can be ready for the playoffs. We'll talk to you this weekend. Are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know, lick face. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I, then won't, I won't fuck, fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! That's a plan B.